Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. Well, what's up, everybody? How we doing today? I want to welcome all of our locations, physical locations, those online, honored you're with us. My name is Joey. I'm the lead pastor. And in honor of Mother's Day, I did want to invite my wife to join me on stage for just a moment. And... I wanted to, in front of all of our locations, wish Lauren a very happy Mother's Day uh, with some flowers. Now I can't get in trouble all day long. So I've learned a few things over the years. But uh, hey, grateful you're with us today. And I know Mother's Day has ups and downs. You know, some of us are remembering mom and uh, thinking about uh, grandparents and grandmoms who've passed and, uh, you know, or, or whatever your situation is, you know, wondering why God didn't give you biological children or whatever it is. Um, it, it's still a day that we must celebrate, you know, uh, we, we, don't, we don't sit in, in fear or pity as believers. We, we thank God for what we have and who we have. And we leverage the things in our life as opportunities, the empty places as opportunities to serve and be moms where we can and fathers where we can and big brothers and big sisters. So I just want to take this moment and thank and celebrate every mother and every mother figure. We honor you one more time. Can we give a round of applause? Um, I was, uh, I was thinking about, um, I was thinking about my, um, my mom who doesn't live in Philadelphia and my aunt, my mom's sister, she does. And she came up to me and said, I want to give you a hug for your mom today. And that was sweet. Um, I was also thinking about my grandma, my mom, uh, who, uh, would attend, uh, the church sporadically. And my grandma would have loved our little girl, Jovi. I mean, just would have loved her so much. She loved Maverick and uh, so much. And she even loved our dog. And that's how you know she's a good grandma because my dog is hard to love. But one thing about my mom that reminded me really of, of God's creative work is my mom... Uh, one thing that reminds me, I shouldn't say reminded me, reminds me she's still with us. Uh, she's probably in the chat right now reminding you, you know. But, but she, could, she can make something out of nothing. I mean, something out of nothing. Like you could stare at the fridge or stare uh, in the pantry and go, there's nothing here. And my mom would go, watch this. She still does that to this day. I know how to do two things. Uh, I know how to make a tremendous nacho plate, tray. It, there, I, I promise you. And I also know how to make a tremendous sandwich. Okay, thank you, mom. Can't do anything else. But she could always make something out of nothing. It reminds me of the creative works of God who spoke something out of nothing. I, I, think, I think moms have a great knack for that. 
something out of nothing. And, and when, I, when I compare that to our Lord and what he provides for us, there is a key ingredient to acquiring or experiencing something out of nothing. It's prayer. It's prayer. And, and in this series we are in, How to Get Close to God, one of the things that I wanted to hit on in this series is the power of prayer. Because truly in prayer, some things come from nothings. And so today, I'm going to walk us through a passage of a mom who is praying and gives us a formula to experience miracles where she couldn't see something happen. So today, this message is for everybody. I'm titling it, Pray Like a Mom. Pray Like a Mom. And this message is for everybody. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 15. Uh, we're going to start in verse 21. And the Bible says, Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Okay, now these places, they were, uh, they were Gentile cities located some 50 miles away. Uh, this is a very hostile atmosphere for Jews to be as there was so much hate between Jews and Gentiles. They were ancient enemies. Furthermore, Jesus and his disciples were far from home. And this is a representation of the heights and the depths that Jesus is willing to go to meet you. Jesus will even cross enemy lines to show you his love. And that's basically about what's gonna happen. Okay, so here we go, verse 22. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. For my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. So here's this Gentile woman, while they are in Gentile territory, comes and rushes Jesus. She's a mother and she is pleading, hey, my daughter is tormented by a demon. Can you do something about it, son of David? This is significant uh, because not only would it be rare for a woman to approach uh, a, a man like this, it would be rare uh, for a woman, especially to approach a rabbi or someone with a following, it would even be dangerous. And so here she is, and I think here's why she does it. In Matthew 4 and 8, Jesus heals Gentiles. She likely heard of this, and it probably gave her confidence to come to him. So I want to say this to us, while this doesn't necessarily fit within this whole pray like a mom thing, please never underestimate the power of telling someone about Jesus. Because when you tell someone about Jesus and you invite them to a place where Jesus is or will be, you never know what could happen. Your testimony, your story, it's powerful. And so she hears about it. She hears and she comes. But back to the fact that this is Jewish territory, this is fascinating that Jesus and her have this interaction 
excuse me, in Gentile territory, it's again proof, proof that God is coming to us and God comes to us, but it is both and. More often than not though, Jesus finds us in our atmosphere versus us going and finding Jesus. We respond to him, but he often comes and makes himself present and known. And so Jesus comes into this Gentile, uh, this, this not friendly environment and atmosphere. But, but she responds to that by coming to him. Does everybody understand that? God often will give you hints and he will often make himself available to you, but you have to aggressively pursue him. Also, something I want us to notice is this mom is an intercessor on behalf of her daughter. And right here, and you should take notes here, right here we see a formula for prayer. So I want to read this passage again, verse 22. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, pay attention, pleading, have mercy on me, O Lord, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. So here's what I see here. This is, this is a great formula for, for intercession and for prayer. First thing that I see is that this woman takes on someone else's problem with passion. When you are praying, whether it be for yourself, but especially for someone else, you must intercede with great passion. Yeah. I had a, 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 a coach a long time ago in high school. He was also, he, he was a volunteer coach. He was also a pastor. And one time he, his wife was sick and I was listening to this and I was in high school and I said, well, coach, I'll pray for you. And he went and walked out and he came back in to the locker room. He said, don't you, he said, boy, don't you ever say that if you don't mean it. And this was a big man. He had played in the NFL. I said, yes, sir. I should pray right now. But what he was saying was, is don't give me lip service. What he was saying was, is don't just be like, hey, Lord, uh, you know, help this guy. Like passionately, because cause like imagine if it was your wife. Imagine if it was your kid. Uh, imagine if it, was, uh, if it was your friend. So, so get on those knees and pray passionately for other people. Because one day you may be in the need of prayer yourself. The next thing that I see here in a formula for intercession and prayer is you've got to be humble. She says, have mercy. What is that? That is a sign. When someone says, have, have mercy, it's a sign that in a sense, you are at their mercy. You can't accomplish it. Only they can. You go into a judge, you know you did something wrong, or you know that they're the only one who can get you out of this, and you say, oh, judge, have mercy. You know that you're in a position where only they can solve the problem. Well, here she shows great humility because she recognizes I've probably done everything I can do. Maybe I've been to another witch. Maybe I've been to another doctor. Maybe I've been to another, uh, you know, psychologist. Maybe I've been to all these different programs and situations, but my daughter is still demon possessed and I've heard about this guy. Have mercy. 
please show me that there's power. Then she prays in Jesus' name. She says, have mercy, son of David. In a sense, she's acknowledging, oh, if you are son of David, you are the Messiah. And so she is praying in Jesus' name. She is interceding and she is saying, I've got great passion. I'm willing to put myself out there to be humiliated. I don't care anymore. I've got passion for the problem. Have mercy. You're the only one to solve it. And I now pray and acknowledge that you are God Messiah. Save us here. And finally, she cries out with a specific request. As you are interceding, as you are praying like mom, as you are in an attempt to get closer to God, you've got to pray specifically. I pray specifically for a lot of things. I used to pray generally just in case it didn't happen the way that I wanted it to, maybe there would be an excuse. See, sometimes we make excuses for God and we think that God can't handle God's own reputation. No, pray specifically and tell other people when it's necessary. You don't got to tell everybody your dreams and all the things you're believing for and, you know, and so forth. But when it is merited, pray specifically, Lord, my spouse is demon possessed, you know. No, I'm just kidding. Not mine. My dog is demon possessed. You know, I don't know what it is for you. I don't know if, if your, your, your children uh, have issues and it overwhelms you, but pray in Jesus name that God would work out those details specifically. You're believing God for a house. Pray specifically. You're believing God for children, pray specifically. Maybe he answers biologically. Maybe he provides an opportunity for adoption or to foster. I don't know what it is for you. Pray specifically so you can hear the Lord specifically. Verse 23. But Jesus gave her no reply. Not even a word. Come on, man. <laughs> then his disciples urged him to send her away. You didn't think this story was going this way, did you? <laughs> You're like, man, this is good. Tell her to go away, they said. She's bothering us with all her begging. <laughs> now, you got to understand that the Bible cross-references itself a lot. In Luke 2.29, the same language for send away actually means satisfy. So the disciples are basically going, just satisfy her requests and get her out of here. You know what that is? That is our mentality. And it's also bad parenting. Just Give them the piece of candy so they shut up. <laughs> Just let them do this. 
Just give them the iPad. <laughs> a lot of parents in here getting a little squirmy. <laughs> do you ever feel like this in prayer? Do you, do you ever feel like you're believing God for something and you don't immediately get an urgent or satisfying answer? And everything inside of you or even the people around you just say, go satisfy your own need Jesus. or give up. Or that voice, that other voice is like, man, God's never going to answer this. Have you been there? Recently, I had really been seeking the Lord for answers about something in our church. And it felt excruciating. And I was getting frustrated I was getting frustrated because I'm like, God, why are you taking so long to answer? Why are you putting me through the ringer here? And the other night I felt like God spoke to me and gave me an answer as to why he wasn't giving me an answer. <laughs> Not the answer. The other night, um, I, I send my son, who's five, I send him upstairs to get his own shower. He's got he's to wash himself, which happens, I don't know, every three times. And you go, he's got to put his own pajamas on, you know, and then come down and, you know, say goodnight. Well, uh, the other night, uh, he was having a rough night and he wanted help turning his pajamas inside out. And I said, I'm not going to help you with this you know how to turn your pajamas inside out. And he's like, it's not fair. You're not helping me. I said, I am helping you by not helping you. And when I said that, I was like, dang it. And I, I felt like, uh, I felt like, God goes, son, I am helping you by not giving you the answers immediately. I'm trying to stretch you. I'm trying to teach you things that if I just sent you away satisfied, you would have never learned and we'd be right back here with something else. I want you to long for my voice. Not just my, your wish is my command. God is a better father than me. God is a better parent than us. He has his reasons. And long suffering and prayer is one of those ways he draws us closer to himself. So Jesus says to the woman in verse 24, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. Now, I read this and as I was searching for my answer that I was believing God for, you know, I was like, God, I need a scripture to stand on. 
And, and Jesus, in a sense here, kind of, kind of gives his own personal cross-reference. And I think sometimes when we're in prayer and when we're seeking God for something, uh, God will cross-reference himself by leading you to other scripture. And, and when, I, when I feel like I finally did get my answer that I was searching for, it was wrapped up in a couple scriptures. I'll give you that at another time in another sermon. But this verse where he says, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, it's, it's a wild and it's a telling verse because according to Matthew 10, 5, Jesus' aim was Jews first. Now under Paul's ministry, there's a major shift to Gentiles, which is you and I. However, it's not really what Jesus is saying. He's teaching us something here about persistence. He's not really turning her away. He's testing her faith. That's what's happening here. See, getting close to God through answered prayer is a long-term play sometimes. What Jesus is wanting her to do is to keep coming back. That's why he says in Matthew 7, verse 7, keep on asking. You will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. So in a sense... Here, Jesus is communicating that he wants us to keep on asking, keep on praying, keep on seeking, keep on, keep on, keep on coming to him. When it looks bleak, when it looks like the Lord is not answering, when it looks like he's leading us to different things, he's trying to teach us something about perseverance. So in verse 25, the Bible says, but she came and worshiped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. I mean, you gotta give it up for this lady. She is not taking no for an answer. But let me put yourself, why don't you put yourself in her position? If you're a mom or a parent of a child who is demon-possessed, wouldn't you be doing the same thing? If, if, you, if you had a need that was this drastic, wouldn't you be doing the same thing? Maybe. Maybe, maybe you've given up. Maybe you've just settled with the fact that you know what? It is what it is. And I would tell you, According to this story, don't give up. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on praying. Keep on coming to the king. Now, Jesus responds after this. Well, before he does that, I, I also want to point out here when she says, Lord, help me. It is a direct reflection of Jacob's words when he wrestles with God and says, I won't leave here until you bless me. Do you remember that? In other words, 
Jacob is going, I know that you are God and you are my only hope to really be blessed. You remember when Jacob stole his birthright from his brother? It wasn't enough until it was God who blessed him. Until it was God who changed his name. Friends, listen to me. Prayer is powerful because you can have everything else in the world, but unless Jesus touches you, it's not as good as everything else. But Jesus responds to her in verse 26. It's interesting. He says, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. Did Jesus just call this woman a dog? Well, the Greek word definition here actually is little dogs for house puppies. So kind of, but stay with me because it's not as quite as severe as it might sound. This actually softened the Jewish slur towards Gentiles, which called them dogs in the derogatory sense. Household puppies belong to the family which have their portion, though not the children's, it's a step lower. So they didn't have dog food back then. They just gave the dogs leftovers. Now, in a sense, Jesus, he rejects her one final time here. This time, making it very clear how the Gentiles stand before God. Dogs are unclean, so are the Gentiles. Now, before you judge Jesus, stay with me. He wasn't discriminating. He actually called the, the, the Pharisees, worse, and he condemned those who sinned against children worse, okay? He was making a point here. Do you understand? He was making a point in cultural context that made sense to her. Here's what he was saying. All of us are unclean, and I'm the living water that cleans and gives life. And in Acts, excuse me, in John chapter 4, he offers a Samaritan woman this living water. So it's not that he was against this woman receiving her fill, he was again proving a point that if you want to be clean, if you want to be well, I am the answer. You need to understand who I am in your own state before I just give you a miracle. So she replies in verse 27, that's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. She's saying, I know the Jews are God's priority for redemptive work, but you are so big and so powerful that even the leftovers would be enough for me. Even just crumbs would heal and satisfy me. The extended blessing would get it done. You're that powerful. I have this loaf of bread and I, I, I honestly want to eat it because it's just so perfect and it's so crispy and you see the crumbs falling like okay the, the best way that I can illustrate this is is Jesus comes and the way that the Gentiles understood it was is really the way that Jesus was explaining it was is this whole loaf of bread I give of myself I'm here for the Jews for my people and she's like, well, I'm a house puppy. That's the way you see me. I'm just a, I'm, I'm, I'm a Gentile. I, I'm no good. I, I'm, I'm low class. Like that, that's the way you see me. And she's like, if you just like, if I can just get like a little piece, like some crumbs, 
Like I know of you, it will be satisfying. It will be enough because Jesus, you're so rich in blessings and goodness and nutrients that even a small portion will satisfy me. And a point that I want to make, friends, is while you can spend hours in prayer, even if you started with five minutes, just a little bit of God will give you something more than five minutes without Him. Even just a small touch from God. See, some of us, we actually live in the extended blessing of somebody else's experience with God. And a lot of us, are thinking like this woman where you're thinking hey this whole loaf the bread of life it's really for somebody else and like if i can just get near that somebody i could just get a little bit of leftovers of god maybe that will get me into heaven maybe that will be good enough that is the way she's thinking it's incorrect thinking and we know this because Jesus responds to her and here's where it turns. He says, dear woman, he says to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. You can clap for that. Yeah, her daughter was instantly healed. Now, now listen, listen. Jesus never said this to another person directly. He complimented the great faith of the Roman centurion who asked Jesus to heal his servant, Matthew 8.10. But he said it to the crowd, not to the centurion directly. The only two people to receive this compliment for Jesus were Gentiles. Isn't that powerful? This shows, listen to me, this shows that great faith may be found in unexpected places. And great faith is sometimes measured from its own disadvantages. Their faith was great because it did not have the advantage of entitlement, of being given by the institution of Judaism. This is how good Jesus is. He's essentially saying, I came here, right? And he, while you are unclean, and while even my fellow brothers and sisters see you as a dog, guess what? The whole portion is for you. The whole portion is available to you. You know why? It's contingent on something that not all of my brothers and sisters have. It's contingent on your faith and on your belief that when you pray in my name, when you keep knocking, when you keep seeking, when you keep declaring, when you keep wanting and keep coming to me, I'm the bread of life. And it's me who delivers. It's me who delivers. It's me who feeds. You think you're only worth a little bit of leftovers, but I'm telling you, because of your great faith, you can have it all. You can have it all. Her faith was great, even compared to her other virtues. Yes, she was humble, she was patient, she was persevering, she cared for her child. Yet Jesus didn't compliment any of those things, only her faith. Her faith was great because it was unlikely. No one might have expected a Gentile to trust Jesus this much. Her faith was great because she worshiped Jesus even before 
she had an answer from Jesus. Her faith was great because it had been tested so severely. It's hard to think of a greater test in life than a demon-possessed child. But her faith was tried by the delay Jesus provided and she proved herself faithful. You know, one of the biggest hindrances, friends, and I'm, I'm closing soon, but one of the biggest hindrances to us walking in the fullness of God, having everything he promises to us in this abundant life that's available, is we don't always put ourselves in atmospheres that build our faith. So what we do is we pray safe prayers instead of dangerous prayers. And we have team conference coming up this Saturday. And this event is an atmosphere where great faith is felt and enveloped. Team conference is not a day you should miss. You should get off work. You don't need a babysitter because I've already provided all that. It is an atmosphere where you hear God words, where people pray over you and prophesy over you and where hands are laid on, where you lift up, where you are restored and recovered in your faith to not just go volunteer better, but to go live victoriously better. And I want to encourage you, if you're not already signed up, make the decision today to sign up for Team Conference because your faith will be built so you can go to the Lord in radical prayer and great faith. And great faith. Now, as I close, as I close, I want you to write this down. I really want to give you something practical today. How do we pray like a mom? We know that prayer, prayer draws us closer to God. But how do we pray like a mom? I want to give you these steps today and I want you to practice them this week. Here's the first one. When praying for others, make their burden yours. When praying for others, make their burden yours. Number two, humble yourself. Ask for mercy. Number three, pray in Jesus' name. There's no other way to the Father. He is the door. It's not Mary. It's not Peter. It's not St. Joseph. It's not the spirit of Jalen Hurts. It's not any of those things. We pray in Jesus' name. Number four, I want you to cry out specifically. What is your need? Write it down. Make it clear. Tell the Lord. Be detailed and specific. And number five, be persistent and worship anyway. In the midst of your pain, in the midst of your sickness, in the midst of your disease. God is faithful. He's faithful. But so many times, his faithfulness realized in our life is predicated on our radical faith we approach him with. And today, on this Mother's Day, I wanna encourage you to get in atmospheres that raise your faith to where you are no longer praying safe prayers, but dangerous ones. 
I believe every person can pray like this mom, and I want to encourage you to do it this week in Jesus' name. Come on, you believe that today at every location? Can you say yes and amen? Let's give God a praise. Yes and amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.